summary of the Sikha. In uh, some years, we learn um, the Perik Dalid of Pirkei Oves during the uh, on the Shabbos Parsha Bahar. As well, Lag Ba'emer comes out to be in the week of Shabbos Parsha Bahar. Clearly, there must be a connection between Parsha Bahar, Lag Ba'emer, and Perik Dalid of Pirkei Oves. So let's examine what that connection might be. Lag Ba'emer, of course, is the Yom Lula, the Yartzeit of Rashbi, Rav Shimon ben Yochai, and we find the Mishnah in Perik Dalid, thirteenth Mishnah, which says Rav Shimon said. There are three crowns. There is the crown of Taira, there is the crown of Kahuna, and there is the crown of uh, royalty, of kingship, and the Kesar Shemtev, the crown of a good name, supersedes all of them. And if this particular statement of Rajbi was the one that was chosen to be studied in the week of his Yartzeit, from all the other statements that he said, and the Alter Rebbe says that Rab Shimon Yechoi has something in every single Perik of Mishnayis. Every single Perik of Mishnayis, there's something by Rab Shimon Yechoi. So if this one was chosen for, to, to be learned in the week of Yom Elula, it must be that there's something that defines who Rab Shimon Yechoi is in this statement. And, as we said before, there must be a connection between it and Parsha Bahar as well, because all three are interconnected with each other. So in general about Parsha Bahar we find that there are two extremes in the Parsha. On the one hand Parsha Bahar begins with the mitzvah of Shemitah and Shemitah is a, a mitzvah which applies only in, in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael was a place where there was a civilized society meaning to say that things ran according to a certain system and so on. Not like in the Midbar in the wilderness where the Yidin lived where there were no conventions of society. Eretz Yisrael does have a conventions, and there is a natural process in Eretz Yisrael. And in Eretz Yisrael, the natural process is so pronounced that the Torah even allows that there might be a question, if you keep Shemitah, how are you going to be able to eat? Where are you going to get food from? The Torah says that question. And then the Parsha goes on, as Rashi says, Allah Seder, it shows a degree... Uh, an order of degradation where things get lower and lower. If you don't keep the laws of Shemitah, you will uh, have to sell your house and you'll go into a, uh, you'll be stricken by poverty, you'll go into economic decline, which could lead to a person selling himself into slavery as the, towards the end of the parsha talks about, and not only selling yourself to a Yid, but selling yourself to a, Jew, a non-Jewish master, and not only to a non-Jewish master, but even to the Avedazara itself, that you'll have to be working for the Avedazara. So that's on the one hand, and a person could, and it could even come to uh, consider that if my non-Jewish master is allowed to be Mechal Shabbos and do other violations of Torah that maybe I'm also allowed to that's how deeply a person can sink that's one side of Parsha Bahar on the other hand it's all in the Parsha which is called Bahar Sinai talks about an elevated state of being on Har Sinai which was the greatest revelation of godliness to the Yidin and the reason that they come together is because that's the whole point of Har Sinai that you're supposed to integrate Har Sinai not just to remain on top of the mountain to remain in the ivory tower, tower but to bring Har Sinai down into the real world 
into the world where there could be a consideration of what are we going to eat if we keep Shemitah, or maybe I'm no different, you know, I could behave like my non-Jewish master. That's where you have to bring Har Sinai. Har Sinai is meant to impact and to strengthen you in those conditions, in those situations. And the same can be said also about the Mishnah that we talked about. Rab Shimon Yechai, who says it, he was Teirasayim Nasi. He was completely, him and his colleagues were the epitome of what the Gemara says, Teirasayim Nasi, that he was totally dedicated to the study of Teirah, removed from the world. He should say, he comes and he says, that even though Keser Teirah, and we're talking about Teirah, and we're talking about Keser Teirah, which means the crown of Teirah, the ultimate level of Teirah, Teirasayim Nasi, that is not the most important. The most important is Keseshemtev. Keseshemtev, a good name. How do you get a good name? Because of the mitzvahs that you do. That's what it means. So he says that even though he was a person dedicated to Torah, it's really all about Maisa mitzvahs. It's really all about bringing it down into the reality of the world. That's what it's really all about. However, the question could be asked, we can understand that this is true for most people. People that they live, they study Torah, but they also have a job. They're not completely removed from the world. So to them, they, to them, mitzvahs are what it's really all about. Not so much that Torah is a great thing, but mitzvahs are really where it's all about. But Rashbi, who he is a person that is completely removed from the world. How does he say that it's all about Maisa mitzvahs. And that's not to say that Rajbi didn't do mitzvahs, that he didn't understand. Of course, he understood the importance of mitzvahs and that he had to do mitzvahs. But how could he say that the mitzvahs supersede the importance of Torah when he was completely dedicated to Torah? That's what his whole life was about. Perhaps one could answer that the, the Yerushalmi says, asks the question rhetorically, does not Rebbe agree that you have to stop your learning in order to build your sukkah? Does not Rebbe agree that you have to learn for the, for the purpose of doing the mitzvahs? Because anyone that learns not for the purpose of fulfilling the mitzvahs, it's better that he shouldn't have been born. Doesn't Rabbi Rashbi agree with this? In other words, that Rashbi also agrees that the mitzvahs have to be done and that they, that's the purpose of learning Torah is in order to do the mitzvahs. Doesn't that say that even he agrees that the, that the doing of the mitzvahs is greater than the learning of the Torah? But the truth is that this isn't really an answer because from that, Yerushalmi, you can deduce, derive exactly the opposite that even the doing of the mitzvahs that Rashbi did was in order to enhance his learning of Torah. Because if you don't do the mitzvahs, then your learning of Torah will be undermined because you're learning Torah not for the purpose of doing mitzvahs. That's as if you didn't learn or better not to learn Torah. So in other words, to him it could be, from this it would seem, that even the mitzvahs were only in order to make the learning perfect. So therefore it brings out the exact opposite that the learning of Torah is greater and more important and supersedes mitzvahs. So perhaps the explanation is that since the purpose of the, uh, of the creation of the world is as we all know very well is a dwelling place for Hashem in the world below. So it's not only the mitzvahs, maisis, the gashmis, the mitzvahs that were created in order to bring about this ultimate purpose. Everything in the world was for that purpose, including the study of Torah, including learning Torah, is also for the purpose of 
So even the ultimate level of studying Torah, which is Torah, where somebody is completely removed from the world, that too is in order to bring out the purpose of So the question is, how, how does that how do you get from the answer to that could be there is a rule that says that the captive himself cannot release himself from prison it needs somebody outside the prison to release a captive from prison therefore the mitzvahs which are performed with Gashmiyastik a thing, which means they are part of the system of Eilam, of Helen Vahester, the place of concealment of godliness. If all we had in order to make a Dirvatahtain was the physical mitzvahs, then how does it would never be able to lift up the world outside the confines of Helen Vahester, concealment of godliness? Because from the the captive himself cannot release himself. Therefore, you need something from outside that helm, something that is completely removed from the world, beyond the world. Somebody that stands above and beyond the world. Only that can truly accomplish the true meaning of where Hashem will be completely revealed in the world. What does this mean practically? It means that when there is tzaddikim that learn in that way of tzaddikim nasa they also impart to every Yid the ability that when he learns Torah, when she learns Torah, they should be able to rise above the limitations of the world. Meaning, for those few minutes that they learn Torah, they should also be completely removed from the world. Nothing matters. Nothing in the world matters. They're just dedicated fully to the study of Torah. And then you have a little bit of Torah that is being done in the world so that it can rise above the limitations of the world. But in order for a tzaddik that learns in that way to be able to impart that feeling and that, you know, to be, go down to the people and, and bring that message and bring that feeling to the people, they can't just snap out of it suddenly and, you know, now I'm going to be going down to the people because if you're completely involved and immersed in the study of Torah which is removed from the world you could get stuck in that world and not want to and not be able to go down to the world of the regular people therefore it's necessary and it's essential that a tzaddik when he learns the whole learning has to be with the knowledge and with the intent that this is going to be imparted to the people down below down below in this case means people that live in the real world as we know from the story of Rabbi Kiva, that there were the four sages that went to into the into the Pardis, means they d- delved into the esoteric teachings of the Torah, and three of them were harmed by the situation. Only Rabbi Kiva Nichnas B'Shalom B'Shalom. He went in in peace, and he came out in peace. How? Why does the Mishnah say he went in in peace? It should say he came out in peace, because the answer is the only reason that he came out in peace was because he went in in peace. In other words, in order to be able to come out in peace, to be able to accomplish what you want in the world of the esoteric Torah, you have to go in with the intent that it's, you're going to do it, but you're going to go back to where you need to be, meaning to the real world. So also, the tzaddikim that learn Torah, 
their intent when they go to learn Torah has to be that they have to have a shuv, which means they have to keep in mind that it's all to impact the world itself. So the learning is done in such a way that it should have an impact on the world as well. But that still leaves the question, how does one bring together the state of Ratsui, which means to the desire and the need to escape from the world as is lived by the people that do teras, learn Terasim Nasam, and bring that together with Shuv, in other words, to be your feet planted in the earth, on, on the earth. How do you bring the two together? They're two opposite, uh, they're going in two opposite directions. How do you bring them together? So the answer is, why are they opposite directions? Because when you're when you measure yourself according to the standards of ishtalshalos, of creation, so then escaping creation and being rooted in creation are two opposite extremes. But when you rise above that, what does it mean to rise above that? When you're in, the purpose of your learning is not because it's so gishmak to be able to uh, be connected to Torah exclusively and so on. The reason that you learn Torah is because it's is Baruch. It is the desire of Hashem that you should learn Torah. So, if that's the motivation, then it's just as much desi- the desire of Hashem that you should have shuv, that you should be Im- impacting the world with your learning Torah. So, therefore, from that perspective, there is no opposites. They're both the the inner purpose of both of these extremes is the will of Hashem. And therefore, because it's, they're both the will of Hashem, they're not contradictory to each other at all. That is what they both accomplish. And actually, we find these two um, ideas by Rashbi himself, Rashim and Yechai himself. We know Rashim Yechai was stuck in a, he lived in a cave for 12 years with the son of Elazar. When they came out of that cave, whenever they saw a person uh, planting or, or, uh, or plowing a field, they said, what are they doing? They're abandoning eternal life, the study of Torah, in favor of temporary life, working in this world. And wherever they looked, everything burnt to a crisp. So they went back into the cave for another year, and after the 13th year, Rabbi was still, he still couldn't tolerate the people working. But wherever he burnt, whatever he burnt, Rabbi Shimon Yechoi would heal it, would fix it. So we see that Rabbi Shimon Yochai came to realize that there is no separation between learning Torah and fixing the world. The two have to coexist. And not only do they have to coexist, but he himself fixed it. And one could say perhaps that the number 12 and 13 is, is, is important here. 12 represents the cycle of creation. There's 12 months and so on. Other elements of creation revolve around the number 12. 13 is something which transcends creation. Like the Yud Gimel Midasarachim, the 12 attributes of mercy, which have the ability to transcend creation because 13 transcends creation. So while he was stuck in 12, when he was only 12, so he was still within the confines of creation. That's why he saw escaping creation and being in creation as two opposites. But once he reached the level of 13, where he's above and beyond creation, then he saw that they were two elements of the same thing. They were two different ways of fulfilling the, the Ratzon Hashem. And that's the explanation of what Rashbi says in the Mishnah. 
Of course, Kesser Teira, he was Teirasayim Nasser, but he realized that it's not, not, we're not talking about the doing of the mitzvahs. He meant when you learn Teira, you have to be recognized that the whole purpose of your learning Teira is in order for Kesser Shemtev, in order to impact the other Yidin around you, the other Yidin in the world, that they have to bring it down into the world and that they have to be able to rise above the world also. You have to bring your learning down to the world so that the Yidin that are in the world can rise above the world and be able to learn their Torah in a way, at least temporarily, that is Torah Nasi. And that's the ultimate purpose because that means making a Diri that the people in this world are also able to bring revelation of godliness that supersedes the limitations of the world into their learning. And it's interesting to note that the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos of Perik Dalid is not Mishnah number 13 in which Rabbi Shemin Yochai says this. In other words, this is a recognition of year 13 that he reached in the cave. And that is also, as we said, the teichen, the, per, the meaning, what, what is being discussed in Parsha Bahar. That on the beginning of the Seder, it talks about the, the idea of Shemitah, that a person that is involved in the natural process of planting and plowing, and he doesn't understand how he, can, how he would be able to continue life if he doesn't do the work of Shemitah, in Shemitah. So Hashem says, no, there has to be a Shabbos Lashem. A person has to, uh, not only, Shabbos Lashem means Havaya, Yutke Vavke, you said the name of Hashem that transcends the world, that even though we're living in the world, we will have access to Avaya to be able to transcend the limitations of the world. At the end of the, uh, the Seder, where it talks about an even deeper descent, where a person has sold himself into slavery to a Goy or to, to uh, Avedazara itself, and comes to the, uh, might have the thought that I should be no different than the Goy, just like, because he's my master. So the Torah says, no, uh, the no one has any control of the Yiddishkeit of a Yid that always remains he is not your master in matters of Yiddishkeit and therefore that you will never have to do what he does you're not enslaved to him on that level and he concludes I am I'm trustworthy that I will pay his reward what does reward mean? reward means when a yid comes to the recognition and, and understanding of godliness, meaning that even this yid that has sold himself to a goy will come to understand his connection to Hashem and his connection to a level of godliness which is beyond nature.